Let's give the Lord a hand praise for our worship team. We are blessed, blessed to have an anointed, appointed worship team. We are. Anybody grateful this morning? Anybody thankful to be in the house of the Lord? Let's make some noise for those watching online. We welcome those watching online. Every Sunday, 10 a.m., we broadcast as well as 1230 YouTube or live Um, I want to just thank the Lord. Uh, yesterday, I celebrated my 46th birthday. I praise God in the midst of the sanctuary for his goodness and his mercy uh, upon my life. I'm reminded there was a, uh, an event in the life of David uh, in the Bible after he went through all that he went through, through his family, through his struggles, and then finally God ushered him into the, the palace as, as king. And I remember him sitting uh, before the presence of the Lord, and he cries out, he goes, Who am I, O Lord, and who is my family that you have brought us this far, this far? How many know that God brings us all the way? How many know that God takes us to the valleys and the mountains? To the glory of God, I think back on my life, how I grew up, uh, I grew up like in the late 80s, and um, in 1989, uh, I was 14 years old, I was uh, gunned down in a gang-related shooting at the age of 14 years old, and then uh, at 15 uh, years old, my mom uh, and my dad tried to save me, so she moved out of California to Texas, and they took me to Texas, and they put me around cowboys. And right in front of my house literally was cows, cows. And I turned 15 in Texas, and, uh, but I didn't last long. I didn't last long. Um, I, uh, after I turned 16 in Texas, I uh, got a car, and I, I bought a, my first car was a 1980 white Monte Carlo. That was, remember those cars back in the days? Back in the days, it was Monte Carlos and Regals and Buicks. Remember that? Back in the days? Y'all don't remember that, huh? Just by myself. So I had a 1980 white Monte Carlo with blue interior and a blue pinstripe. And I drove it all. I ran away. I actually ran away from home and I, from Texas. And I came all the big way back to uh, Los Angeles. And um, whenever you run away from God, uh, you can't not run for long, right? Cannot run for long. And ultimately, um, I got arrested. I turned 17 years old in Los Padrinos Juvenile Hall in Downey, in Downey. And I remember that day or that night I was in my cell I was looking up into the stars, into the moon. I never forget. I was sitting on the window, 17 years old, facing a life sentence. Ultimately, uh, I got sentenced to life. Uh, and then I turned 18 years old in the L.A. County Jail, in a one-man cell in the L.A. County Jail, 3300 floor. I know all this, right? <laughs> I know 3300 floor in a one-man cell. And I was sharing with the church that to celebrate my 18th birthday, what I did was, uh, you know, my wife, who was my girlfriend back then, would visit me, and uh, she would give me money. Hello, praise God for that. And I had a Snickers bar, 
at a Snickers bar. And that's like gold when you're in the county jail. I, I know I'm teaching about the county jail. I shouldn't be doing that. But I, when you have a, a Snickers bar or soup, that is like gold. And so for my 18th birthday, I ripped uh, uh, out of my sheet a, a fishing line. They call it a fishing line. And I tied the Snickers around it, and I threw it out into the tier or the hallway because I knew everybody else was going to try to fish it. And I would pull it back. It was just strange type of fun when you're in darkness, just strange type of fun. My life was reduced to a Snicker bar. So I turned 18 years old in the L.A. County Jail. I turned 19 and 20 in Ontario Youth Prison. Uh, I turned 21 in Chino State Prison. I, I think I was in Palm Hall, which was the hole when I turned 21. Uh, I remember because it was September 1996. That was the month Tupac died. I always forget. Remember, that's how I remember I was in the hole when Tupac died. Anybody remember when Tupac died? Come on, don't act like you've been saved for 30 years now. And uh, I think it was 1996. Uh, and then I turned... 21 in Chino, I turned 22 uh, to 22 to 32, 22 to 32, uh, uh, initially I got sent to Ironwood State Prison for a year, but then I turned 22 to 32 in, in the desert in Chuckawalla Valley State Prison. 22 to 32, that's a decade. I was in prison all my 20s, all my 20s, half my teens. Every now and then, like, I think about that. And because of the grace of God upon my life, I just thank God that I didn't lose my mind. I thank God. I thank God that I didn't lose my mind. And so 22 to 32 in Chuckawalla Valley State Prison, which is the desert, is blight. It's on the borderline. God had me on the, in the desert. I call it three cities down from hell. And we didn't even have air conditioning. They had what you call swamp coolers, what meant nothing. Because when it's 120 degree weather, swamp coolers don't mean nothing. And do you remember years ago, California had the rolling blackouts? Anybody remember that? They, all the electricity was out for like days. And let me tell you something. I used to sleep. I'm telling you, giving you too much information. But listen, this is the reason why I praise God. Uh, I used to sleep by a wall, a concrete wall that the sun being down, the desert sun being down on it all day long. And it was inches between the wall and me. And this little old fan, had a little old fan. It was my saving grace. But the Lord delivered me. I said, the Lord delivered me. And from 32 to 46... I've been with my family celebrating my birthday, and yesterday I was at church praising the Lord. And so when I say, I say like David said, oh God, who am I? And who is my family that you have brought us this far? I mean that with all my heart. Someone give the Lord a hand praise. Let's turn in our Bibles to Galatians, Galatians chapter 4. Verses 19, Galatians chapter 4, verses 19. As you know, we are teaching and preaching about prayer all month long. And we have a prayer gathering, regional prayer gathering coming up this Saturday where you're invited to participate, to learn. We're going to have pastors and leaders from all across Southern California converge upon our campus here. 
And from 9 a.m. to about 12, we're going to teach and preach on prayer, and we're going to demonstrate it as well. So make sure you register online and you participate because it's going to be a meaningful time, meaningful time in the Lord. Galatians chapter 4, verses 19 is our springboard for this month of October. And let me read it like this. It says, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I want to read that. Read that again. My little children, of whom I travail. Someone say travail. I travail. Now remember, you learned last week that in that word travail includes the idea of prayer. We learned that last week, how Paul travailed in prayer for them. If you didn't hear the message last week, go to YouTube, Chapel Change TV, catch up with what we're learning. Uh, because we are all about learning and growing and going for the Lord. And that word travail includes the idea of prayer. There's this idea that the Bible knows of travailing prayer. Someone say travailing prayer. And we learned that travailing prayer uh, in the Bible is burden prayer. We learned that. I'm just doing a little review. Travailing prayer is burden prayer. It's when you take on the burden of God for something. You know, God is more, God wants your spouse saved more than you want him or her saved. Did you know that? God wants your spouse fully serving the Lord more than you want your spouse fully serving the Lord. And when you take on that burden in prayer, that's called travailing prayer. We learned last week that travailing prayer is also persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. It's prayer that never gives up. Persistent prayer. Prayer that never gives up. Charles Finney said, keep up a constant argument with God for all that you need. Jesus taught a parable that men should pray and never give up. Travailing prayer is burden prayer. It's persistent prayer. But then we also learned last week, just doing a little review, that travailing prayer is heated prayer. It's heated prayer. We're, we're challenging the church to turn up the temperature of prayer in your life. That's why we launch the prayer stations all month long. you got options. There's, there's some on Zoom. There's some on person. There's some just for sisters. There's some just for brothers. You know God loves you when he gives you options. We need to turn up the heat in prayer. Put the fire in the prayer or put the prayer in the fire. So Paul says... He says, my little children in whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Someone say Christ formed in you. So the, the subject that we're teaching this month, uh, this month is called becoming by prayer. Becoming by prayer. And the big idea that we are burning in the spirit and the hearts of the church this, this month is that a life of prayer makes us more and more like Jesus. This is the big idea that we want to burn in the spirit of everybody part of Chapel of Change, that a life of prayer makes us more like Jesus. A life of prayer makes us more like Jesus. On the count of three, everybody say that out loud. One, two, three. 
Again. One more time. So we opened up in Galatians 4.19, and here Apostle Paul writes this letter because he's kind of frustrated with the believers that are a part of these churches because they are not as mature as they should be. He writes this letter, and in part, you kind of feel his frustration because they are not spiritually developed as they should be. They are still wrestling with elementary stuff. They are still wrestling with elementary stuff. They are trying to change the, the inside, or, or I should say they're trying to change the outside without changing the inside. That was the, the dilemma that was going on in these churches at this time. They were trying to change the outside without changing the inside. And Paul writes this verse in Galatians 4.19 to gives us insight into the aim of prayer. He gives us insight into the aim of prayer. And through this verse, we learn that prayer's aim is to become more like Jesus. Prayer's aim is to become more like Jesus. That's what he means when he says, I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. A prayer's aim is to become more and more and more like Jesus. Is anybody following along? Paul's plea for the believers that, they, that, that Christ would be formed in them. That was his plea. That Christ be formed in them. And he teaches us that God has chosen prayer to form Christ in each and every believer. That, that Jesus, God, has chosen prayer as the means to form Christ in us. So we're learning. We're learning that prayer is not about getting, but about becoming. We're learning that prayer is not just about talking, it's about becoming. Prayer is not just about getting, Lord, Lord, give me this, Lord, do this for me. That's a, a benefit of prayer, but, the, but, but prayer is not about getting, it's about becoming. And prayer is not just about talking either, it's about becoming. I had a conversation with a brother a couple weeks ago. I told him we're going to pray for an hour. I'm leading prayer uh, on Wednesday nights at our Carson campus from 7.15 to about 8.15. I said, we're praying for an hour. And the brother responded by saying, man, what are you going to say for an hour? What are you going to say? And he responded by saying, man, what could I say for a whole hour? And I responded to that brother, you missed the mark of prayer because prayer is not about talking. Prayer is about becoming. I'm not a Christian so that God can bless me. I'm not a Christian so that God can give me the life that I want. I'm a Christian so that God can change me. Is anybody picking up what I'm putting down? I'm not a Christian so that God can bless me. I'm a Christian so that God can change me. I'm not a Christian just so I can uh, get the life that I want and everything that I want. No, I am a Christian so that God can form Jesus inside of me. I'm not even a Christian just so I can get to heaven. No, I'm a Christian so that God could get heaven down to me right here, right now. If all you're doing is waiting to get to heaven, you're going to live a miserable life. So prayer is the means by which Jesus is formed in us. And today, 
we are going to deal specifically with becoming loving. Becoming loving. And I'm going to share or teach you uh, some aspects of love that are going to be hard to understand at first. When I was preparing for this message, I decided in my heart I didn't want to just come up here and tell you the basic things about love, that, that you ought to be patient, you ought to be kind, you ought to be forgiving. We will deal with that. Those are important things. In fact, I believe we're going to deal with forgiveness next week. But I said, Lord, I, I want to teach them the foundation of love. I want to teach them how to love. And so what I'm going to be teaching you this morning, some of it is going to be hard to understand at first. So I'm going to ask that you lean into it. And trust me, if you stay committed to Jesus, you will eventually grow into it. If you stay committed to Jesus, you will eventually grow into it. So what I'm going to give you this, this morning is kind of like when you're a little kid, you get a hand-me-down shirt for, from your brother, and it doesn't fit you at that moment. And what does your mom say? Don't worry about it. You will grow into it. So lean into what we're going to study this morning, and we're going to start off with this definition of love that we gathered from a professor by the name of Dallas Willard. And I think it's a good definition. He says, love is a genuine inner readiness and inner longing to secure the good of others. Love is a genuine inner readiness and inner longing to secure the good of others. Notice in that definition of love, we do not start off with the outward expression of love, which is, i.e., securing the good of others, but we start off with the inner being of love, which is the inner readiness and inner longing. That's key. Because if you just try to put on Christianity or the works of Christianity, eventually you'll grow frustrated and give up. I said, eventually you'll grow frustrated and give up. If you don't allow God to change you from the inside first, and you just try to mimic this, and you just try to do it out of willpower, and because a preacher told you to do it, you will get frustrated and eventually give up and get mad at God. There's something on the inside that must take place first. So love is an inner, genuine inner readiness, and inner longing to secure the good of others. The first thing that I want us to, to do is turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. I'm going to attempt this morning to stuff you with the word of God. I said I'm going to attempt to stuff you with the word of God. Uh, Thanksgiving has come early. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. This is the Apostle John writing, who is called the Apostle of Love and is referred to as the best friend of Jesus. He is the one that had the capacity to love so much that when Jesus was on the cross, he told him to take care of his mama. This is the one that wrote this by the unction of the Holy Spirit. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Whoever does not love does not know God because, get this, here's the phrase, God is love. God is love. 
So we gather from that scripture. Here it is. Here's the main point. That love is the nature of God. Love is the nature of God. The apostle writes that God is love. And in case you're kind of hard-headed like me, he says it again in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. He says, and we know and rely on the love of God for, for us, for God is love. He says it twice. He, he says it twice. Just in case you didn't get it the first time, he gives it to you again. God is love. What does that teach us? Love is the nature of God. What does that mean? Well, any discussion about true love must first begin with God. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? God is love means any discussion about the nature, any discussion about how love works must first begin with God. That means you don't go to Keith Sweat. Can we talk like family? That means you don't go to Beyonce. That means you don't go to Usher to get your definition of love. Hello, somebody. You want to know what love is, you don't even go to Tina Turner. Hello, somebody. You want to have a discussion on love, what real love is, you first go to the one who is defined by love. That is the Lord God Almighty. Are you sipping what I'm pouring this morning? God is love means uh, love is God's identity. God is love means love is God's identity. God doesn't just merely love. God is love. Now, this is key because from being love, he is loving. That's key. From being love, he is loving. God is love means love is God's identity. Now, this explains how God can love us when we don't love him. This explains how God can be faithful to us when we are not even faithful to him. And 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Can't do it. Cannot be loveless because he is love. And, and love is not some action that God conjures up. No, love is him giving himself away. God is love means his love for us or for you is not based on you but based on him. I said God is love means his love for you is not based on you but on him. God's love is not based on your goodness, but on his goodness. It's not based on your goodness or holiness, but it's based on his holiness. God's love for you is never, ever, ever based on your performance. It's never based on your performance. God does not validate how the world validates. The world validates based on what you can contribute. The world validates based on your worth. But God does not validate based on how the world validates. He validates you based on him. If you get this, it will free you to love. 
If you get this, it will free you to be you. If you get this, it'll free us from trying to earn God's love. If you get this, it'll free you from the spirit of religion that tries to work harder and harder and harder for acceptance. No, God loves you as much as he's ever going to love you right now. From that, you should do good. From that, you should be holy. From that, you should live to please him. From that, you should try to your best to do right. Now, we celebrate this about God until he requires it from us. We celebrate this, this type of love that, that God gives us and we praise the Lord for it and we get excited for this type of love that God gives to us until we realize that God requires us to give that same type of love to someone else. I knew I was going to get a lot of amens after that one right there, but I, I've come to help you. We are called to love as God loves. We are called to love as God loves. That's what Jesus commands us in John chapter 15, verse 12. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. For many years, I misinterpreted that verse, and I thought it meant you are to love others because I loved you. And that's a true statement, but that's not what Jesus says right here. Jesus says you are to love people as I love you or in the way, in the manner that I love you. And so we need to understand that God calls us and by virtue of his call, he empowers us to love as he loves. He empowers us to love as he Loves the, the same love that, that, that God gives you, he wants you to give to somebody else. The same love. It's not a different type of love. It's not your love and then God's love. No, he gave it to you so that you can give it away. And it's not an option either. It's not a suggestion. It's a command from Jesus himself. And he doesn't just tell us one time. He tells us a couple times because he knows there are some knuckleheads amongst us that will try to avoid this command. So he says it again in John chapter 13, verse 34. He says, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. It's a command, not a suggestion. You can't vote on it. You can't debate on it. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you must love everybody. And here's the standard. As Jesus loves you. Oh, but you don't understand. I never had a father. I don't know what love is. Well, now you got a Lord God, and he'll teach you how to love. He'll show you how to love. The standard is how he loves us. We never, ever lower the standard. That is the standard. In the same way that Christ loves 
us. This means that we are to accept people completely, love them unconditionally, forgive them totally, and consider everybody valuable. Everybody valuable. Now, now, for a moment, I think of those statements, and in theory, I celebrate them in word. Celebrate them. But how do we love like Jesus? How do we love like Jesus? This sounds like such an impossibility. Think about it for a second. Don't just run out of here. Think about what the word says. We are to love as God loves us. It sounds like an impossibility. How can we do that? When I look across the landscape of our church, my brothers and sisters, we have people part of our church uh, that in the past were raped. We have people part of our church whose family members were murdered. In one year, in one year, I remember doing three news briefings in front of the news, standing with family members who lost other family members. Three news briefings. They don't teach you how to do that in Bible college. We have people in our church who have been abused in abusive relationships. How in the world are we going to love those who hurt us? How in the world is gonna, this going to happen? This sounds like such an, an impossibility. Well, first of all, we need to understand you cannot do this in your own strength. That's why you don't just jump to doing it. You cannot do this in your own power. You cannot do this out of your own will. But the good news is what's impossible with man is impossible with God. The good news is this Christianity is all about God making the impossible possible, and it begins with you and I. This Christianity is a supernatural walk. It is not a natural walk. It is a supernatural walk where God wants to create the supernatural in your daily lifestyle. How do we love? Those who hurt us, how do we love them like Jesus loves us? Here it is. It starts by becoming love through a life of prayer. It starts. See, I could easily come up here and tell you, you need to forgive, you need to be patient, you need to be kind, but it does not start there. Starts by being committed to becoming, there's our key word, becoming love through a life of prayer. As love is God's identity, love must become our identity. As love is God's identity, love must become our identity. We must become love before we can show love. We must become love before we can show love. And love is not what you choose to do. Love is what you choose to become. Love is not what you choose to do. Anybody can do right for a moment. 
Love is not what you choose to do. Love is what you choose to become. That's why at its core, at its core, love is not an action. At its core, love is not an action. Love is the source of action. Love is the source of action. Love is the condition of the heart by which actions emerge. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? I'm trying to teach you how to become love. I'm trying to teach you how to get to second base and third base and hit a home run. You cannot skip first base. Love at its core is not an action. Love is the source of action. Love is the condition of the heart by which actions emerge. See, God always starts from the inside out. He always starts from the inside out. Here it is. I'm going to take you deeper. I'm going to take you deeper. Here it is. I do not focus on the action it takes to love difficult people. I focus on becoming love. Here it is. Listen, you're looking at somebody who has hugged the person who has killed my brother. You are looking at somebody who the person who tried to kill me and my other brother goes to our church. And I serve, we worship together. So what I'm telling you right now, I'm not just telling you in theory. I'm telling you how to work it out in your life so that you could have freedom and not be in bondage all your life to hatred and anger. I'm not telling you just a theory. By the grace of God, we have lived this out. I don't focus on the action it takes to love difficult people. I focus on becoming love. Because we're not merely called to love. We are called to become love. That's transformation. That's transformation. So I don't go to my enemy try to love them. No, 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 no. I go to my enemy as a loving person and the love spills out over them organically. I'm going to say that again. I don't, I don't go to my enemy and try, just try. I got to try to forgive them. I got to try to love them. No, 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 no. I focus on becoming love, becoming a loving person. And then when I meet my enemy, it spills out over them. Many of you know that a couple years ago, I met Donald, who killed my older brother. At around 1982, uh, Donald shot my older brother in the head and killed him. And we didn't know, uh, I didn't know Donald personally. Um, but my family grew up hating Donald because of what he did. I want to show this picture, if I have it, of what he did um, by killing uh, my brother. We grew up hating Donald, and that's kind of like the environment that I kind of grew up in. In fact, I remember years after uh, Donald killed my brother. One of my relatives accidentally bumped into Donald and tried to kill him by stabbing him in the neck. 
And when they took Donald to the hospital, Donald thought he was going to die. He tells me this later. And from that deathbed, Donald cries out to God for salvation. He actually got saved because one of my relatives tried to kill him. And so Donald, we meet years ago, and I didn't wait until I met him to try to love him. I didn't wait until I met him to try to love him. No, 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 no. Through prayer and obedience over a long period of time, I became a loving person. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Through prayer and obedience over a long period of time, I became a loving person. And by the time I met Donald, I had no choice but to be true to myself. I had no choice but to be true to myself. And at that time, I was a loving person. Not only did I forgive him and hug him, but I took the brother out to dinner and paid for his dinner too because God loves us extravagantly. And that's how God loves. He loves the unlovable because he's true to himself. He loves the unlovable because he's true to himself. And that's the only way we're going to love the unlovable is by through prayer becoming love and then staying true to who you are. So we need to become love. We need to become agents of love. If you do not realize it already, you have the love of the Father inside of you. You, if you're a born-again believer, it's there. You've got to develop it. And we grow in love through prayer. We grow in love through prayer. That's what Philippians 1.9 says. Philippians 1.9 says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. And more. Look at the connection. There's a connection between prayer and the expansion of your love. He says in Philippians 1.9, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. There's a connection between prayer and growing in love more and more. See, in prayer, my brothers and sisters, God forms us. In prayer, God shapes us. In prayer, God chisels us. In prayer, God molds us. And the longer you spend in prayer, the more time you give God to form you and to shape you and to mold you. And the less time you spend in prayer, the less time you, got God, you give God to form you. That's one of the reasons why we have these prayer stations. That's one of the reasons why we launch 30 prayer stations in the week. This is a transformation pod in which you enter into and allow God to move you from faith to faith, glory to glory. See, we become loving by abiding in the presence of the one who is love. We become loving by abiding in the presence of the one who is love. Love. That's what Jesus taught in John 15, 5. He says, who, he who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. That's what he taught, John 15, 5. He who abides in me and I in them will bear much fruit. That word by, abide means to hang out. 
means to hang out. If you hang out in a flower shop, you will eventually start smelling like flowers. If you hang out in a perfume shop, you will eventually start smelling like perfume. If you hang out in a weed shop, hello, somebody. I remember one time we had uh, a security guard working for the church, and he was coming to church smelling like weed. I said, I said, man, that brother can't be smoking weed working for the church. And I had one of the leaders kind of talk to him, and he said, no, 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 I'm not smoking weed. It's just I worked at a weed shop. I mean, you know, your environment affects how you look and how you smell. And God says, God says, I am love. If you're not smelling like love, that means you haven't been hanging out at my shop. If you're a loveless Christian, that means you've been going to the wrong shop. Because prayer is the shop of God that transforms you from the inside out and incidentally makes you smell a little bit better. And as God loves because of him, we love because of God. And as God loves because of him, we love because of God. In 1 John 4, 7, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God, get this, and knows God. Everyone who loves knows God. God. So as God loves because of himself, he loves us because of himself, we love others because of God. We love because we know God. We love because God has been loving to us. We love because God has been merciful to us. We love because God has been good to us. We love because God has first loved us. This takes my eyes off of the difficult person and puts it back on God himself. I said this takes my eyes off of that individual difficult person that hurt me and puts it back on God and it frees me to love. It frees me to be loving. It frees me to give away what God has already given to me. It frees me to be true to myself. And most important, true to God. Today, as we dismiss you in a couple minutes, we are commissioning you to become agents of love. Agents of love in your spaces and in your places. Let's bow our heads in the presence.